Hello and welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. This is episode 41. Three years old. My little pod baby is three years old on the day that this goes live on Friday the 5th of April. That will be three years old for little pod baby. It's I just I can't quite believe it. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show under um, Shador. And there's a little um, giveaway coming up um, from myself and also Sander from the Cherry Hearts podcast. So that will be in under Shador. Hello, I hope you're all well. I'm waving at you. Um, I was going to record yesterday, but it was really grey and dismal. And not that it affected my mood, because I'm generally always quite positive, but... I don't feel like recording, so I spent my day doing the show notes, doing the photography, and then today I thought, oh, it'll be much nicer, and it's greyer today, but I'm in a better mood, so I am bringing the sunshine. <laughs> um, welcome on in to our lovely Crochet Clan podcast. My name is Faye, and um, I bring this out monthly. It comes out on audio and also on video. And as I said, this is episode 41, so there's quite a nice, sizable back catalogue for you. I know that I get lots of new listeners and um, subscribers every month, so thank you. If this is your first time, hello, there's lots to go back and listen to and watch. I do really comprehensive show notes, so I tend not to put lots of information up on the screen, but I do do close-up photos for you but if you want to know a yarn that I've used a pattern that I've used mill um that I've used and bought yarn from it's all in the show notes so if you pop there that's where you will find it all and the link for that on video is down below and if you're listening then it's the Podbean app that you need to use to find the show notes right let's crack on um, there's quite a lot today and there are lots of little bitty things so I'm going to try and keep it um, in, in quite nice chunks but there's a lot going on. So what I want to um, do today is give you a review of my new Knit Pro Fancy Dancy Wooden Ball Winder. Um, a bit of a discussion on crochet inclusivity within the fibre industry and what's happening there. Um, Final destination en route, designs in progress, well designer, single, singular, in progress. Feeding the habit, I have been at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, I have been to a few yarn shops. Um, quick news beats and j'adore. Let's crack on with the review of my new ball winder. When I first started crocheting I wasn't sure how into it I was going to be and so I didn't buy the best of tools to begin with. Um, uh, little did I know it was literally going to take over my life, mean a total career change, one of our spare bedrooms becoming my stash palace, sleeping, eating, breathing, all things wool and crocheted and knitted. Um, but crochet was the starting point for that. So when I started buying more upmarket skeins of yarn, I got myself a really lovely wooden swift. But I didn't ever buy a wooden ball winder. I got one of those cruddy plastic ones. And kind of five years in, I'm at the point where I'm so sick of my cruddy plastic ball winder that I wanted something a little bit fancier. Um, at the back end of last year, when I was doing the Christmas um, 
collaboration with Becky and Marcus from Riverlets and New from Hyde and Hammer. Becky was skinning up, well, um, was caking up all of the yarn using her Nipro wooden ball winder, and I really liked it. And then when I was at You Felt a Thing at the beginning of March for Nikki's first birthday party of the shop, I actually had a go of that and I tried it with a full skein and also a mini skein and again I really liked it. So Nikki mentioned at that point that she was actually, um, she had a couple on order and so I just bought one there and there and she sent it to me because... I felt like it was a good investment um, for quite a few reasons. So I'm going to, apologies because I'm going to read off my notes, but I don't want to miss anything out. And rather than just reviewing the wooden winder that I have got, what I'm doing is giving you why I think it's a good replacement for the plastic one and what the pros and cons of uh, both are. So I will go through that and let you know. There are photos of both in the show notes already. So if you want to know exactly what it is that I'm talking about, then um, please head to the show notes because you'll get them both there. So when I'm talking about old, I mean my cruddy plastic one. And when I'm talking about new, I mean my beautiful new wooden one. So with the old one, it creates a very tight um, cake, which means that the yarn is being held under tension, which isn't great because you can lose some of the elasticity with it and that plumpiness that you would normally have. As a general rule of thumb, you should really not cake yarn until you actually need it. So I know some people get it back from the shop and cake it up because they store it in that manner kind of wisdom says that that's not the best thing to do and you're better off keeping it in the skein if it's a skein of yarn and only kicking it up when you're ready to use it. I personally would have less of an issue um, of having cake yarn sat around if I'd used my new ball winder because it's under a lot less tension. Um, with the old one, it's mainly made of plastic and it's flimsy and I think after about the third use, you get a metal... Um, finger that comes up and that's what you wind your yarn around um, for it to pass through and actually go on to be caked that um, it didn't break off but the plastic bit that keeps it upright um, that bit broke I think after three times of using which means that every time thereafter for years I've had to hold that um, that metal bit up and cake that way so normally what you would do is use your hand also to tension the yarn when you're doing a cake wind. So you would hold that off the umbrella swift and wind with your other hand. So if I'm holding the metal bit, then I'm not able to hold that with, um, I'm not able to hold the yarn. So crud, it's just rubbish. Um, with the new one, the metal finger is actually placed through and I think it's glued in place and it's in the wooden bit. And it feels really stable in there. The metal finger is also longer and it means that um, I will be able to tension using my fingers rather than having to hold the metal bit. It feels really sturdy. With the old one, the cakes always used to get tangled up at the bottom of the contraption because the disc that forms the base was never wide enough. With the new one, it's a lot wider 
and therefore it can take even really chunky yarns. I don't think it would have an issue going through some of the skeins that you're getting now that are 150 grams. I just don't see it having an issue with that at all. One of the reasons also being that it cakes um, to a taller cake. So you've got more dispersal of your um, of your meterage going up the cake as long as out as well. So it's got a bigger disc and it goes up so it should be able to cope with much more meterage coming onto the um, ball winder. Um, what else? My old ball winder used to really struggle with um, minis. So 20 gram mini skeins or 25 gram mini skeins. Every time I took them off it would tangle up the inside. So if I was doing it, sometimes I need to do a center pull from my yarn cakes and sometimes I'll do a center pull and an outer pull depending on the project that I'm doing. And it was always tangled and it used to infuriate me because I'd spend quite a lot of time then untangling it and dealing with that. It used to happen with 100 gram skeins as well. It just didn't really create a good enough cake for a center pull. Uh, and not the case with the lovely new wooden one. It creates such a nice cake of yarn and the core in the middle is really quite um, large. It's not dissimilar in size to the plastic one but I think because you've got that extra height you don't get that kind of knotting up that happens in the middle of the cake. If you've got one of these plastic winders you know exactly what it is I'm talking about. It just creates a horrible knotted mess and it just it, it drives you up the wall. Um, the cakes um, tend to be quite stable on the new ball winder. I'm still just testing it out now, um, but I'm really impressed with how stable they feel. I'm not getting lots of the yarn pulling out like I do with the other one, so it's, it's much better. Um, I also found that with my old plastic one, it was really difficult. Sometimes the... Um, the yarn that you used to start it off with, which would be your centre pull, would disappear within the cake. Now, what I find with the new one is that it's got a really nice, large space for you to get your fingers into. So you pop the yarn over to begin with, and then when you're taking it out, it's really easy to get your centre pull, and then you can just pull your cake of yarn off. Um and with that you can see there's quite a lot of space inside the core so my center pull is really easy it's not tangling it's just it's just really nicely built and is fit for purpose which i feel like the cruddy plastic one is not um what else is there the materials used obviously the plastic one is predominantly plastic it feels cheap and nasty Whereas the Nipro wooden one is predominantly wood and the bits that need to be metal are metal and the bits that need to be plastic are plastic. Um, it also has got a really good tensioning band which is easy to um, put on and off and when you're not using it you just take it off um, tension to prolong the life of it. It comes with a really good instruction manual as well but it's a nicely weighted um, bit of kit. Um, and the clamp is really good as well. So let me just pop it back on, show you how it works. So the clamp bit is metal and plastic. It's got really nice treads that are rubberized so you're not going to create scratches underneath your table. And you can clamp it to lots of places. 
I had this clamped in between a cr in like a crate, an apple crate that I've got upside down, but I was able to move it into the middle of the crate, put the clamp up through and then clamp it on. Um, and it was really easy to do. And again, the plastic that's on it, the plastic components feel really substantial and properly um, molded. So I'm, I'm well impressed. Like I'd, it's ridiculous. I feel like a proper crocheter, a proper crafter now that I've got like this amazing tool and I don't have the cruddy kind of 15 quid one that I had. Um, I'm, I'm really chuffed with it. Now this is not a cheap option by any means. So if you're not often caking up yarn, this might just be over the top for you and um, the plastic one might be all that you need. However, I can be kicking up yarn every single day of the week and what I need is something that saves me time, doesn't create me problems and also photographs really nicely, which sounds a bit, a bit silly, but the Nipro one produces a really lovely looking um, yarn, which means that when I'm working with a yarn company, I can show off their yarn to its best potential it will still keep its form when I've used it partially and I'm doing a, a tutorial um, video with it. So it still looks nice even later on once I've used it and it's been in a project bag. Um, and it's going to look really pretty on Instagram. I know that sounds ridiculous, but actually that's one of the reasons I got it. It produces such beautiful looking cakes. And given that marketing is mainly for me done through Instagram, for the podcast, for my businesses. I need nice looking cakes of yarn, not ones that look scrotty after five minutes. Um, but it's £105. <laughs> so, you know, there's the downside. This is what I do for a living. But if you are um, like a big crochet, if you do big projects and you are sick of a plastic one and maybe you can pull together Christmas money or birthday money, I wholeheartedly recommend the um, Nipro wooden ones. There are other wooden ones on the market as well. I haven't tested them out. I've only ever tested out the Nipro one. And given that um, by buying it from Nikki, I could support one of my local yarn shops, that's what I wanted to do. So Nikki can, um, if you're interested, Nikki can actually order them in for you. Like I said, they're £105 plus postage and packaging and she can send them out anywhere within the UK. I know that she uses Hermes, so probably she can do Europe as well if you struggle to get your hands on um, one of these ball winders. But I'm in love. I know it's just like, it's a ball winder, but it really does the job and that makes me happy. It is fit for purpose. And look at the beautiful cake of yarn it creates. I've popped photos up in the show notes so you can see um, a side-by-side -side comparison of the new cakes versus the plastic um, cruddy cake winder cakes. <laughs> um, and I've also, there, there's another photo in there with um, a heavy decay, a four-ply and three mini skeins all caked up on the new winder so you can see how it works across um, varying skein sizes. You know, thorough as ever. That's what I do. Faye Bella Thorough Dashper Hughes. So that's it for um, the review on Nipro. 
I've put all of the details that I've just spoken about. They're all in the show notes. If you want to go back, go and have a look at them. But I will probably at some point, not this week, um, pull it together as a blog post, uh, an actual review blog post as well, um, because it's quite handy information. I didn't want to buy this until I had actually tried it out because I knew it was going to be like a chunk of money to get it. But honestly, I'm so pleased I spent that money. It's going to save quite a lot of um, like time and anxiety on my part when I don't have cruddy cakes of yarn. Right. On and on. So, quick um, kind of update on inclusivity of crochet within the yarn world. Many of you, I suspect, have um, faced snobbery about our craft. I've had it, I don't know how many times, like really uncomfortable with yarn shops um, laughing in my face when I've said that I do crochet and go, what? Crochet, what? Like, it really is beneath them <laughs> as a craft and not something they would ever want to support in their yarn shop. Another yarn shop saying, but when I showed them a design saying, but why wouldn't they just knit that? Because not everybody knits. Like, this total disconnect between our craft and what it's capable of and just seeing crochet as an old craft, granny-ish, loud gearish colours, um, kind of at the cheaper end of the yarn market and not understanding why as vendors or yarn shop owners they should and could support crochet and our craft. So in the podcast last month I said that I wouldn't be buying from vendors at shows that didn't actually have crochet samples out on their stands. So when I was at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, I'm not like I'm not long back from Edinburgh. I diligently went round many, many, many of the stands that I could get to and asked whether they had crochet samples available. And I'm really saddened to say that it, it was utterly lacking. There were a few stands that did have crochet and had it out loud and proud. Um, but the vast majority of them did not. Now that is not specific to Edinburgh Yarn Festival. I find that across most of the yarn festivals that I attend, with the exception of the likes of Yarndale and Wonderful Wales. Woolfest is okay, but again, more could be done with crochet. Um, now, one of the things about me is I'm very much more carrot than stick. I'm I'm not one for beating people about the head for not doing what it is I think they should be doing. I would much rather actually provide them with the resources and educate them in a nice and helpful way. So that's what I intend to do. So in the next kind of few weeks, one of the things that I'm going to be working on is an open letter to yarn shop owners, dyers, um, the likes of the mills that go out and vend at shows, festival organisers that are not currently... Um, highlighting crochet for the beautiful craft that it is. With that, what I want to be able to do is provide a load of resources for them, such as the information that I've already got, gathered on the fact that crochet doesn't use more <laughs> yarn than knitting, in my opinion. Um, I've done the research on it, and when you get to a, a swatch of fabric and you look at the grammage used, Crochet doesn't necessarily use more. And unfortunately, this is something that crocheters believe as well. So if that's something that you think is true, I don't believe it is. And I'll put a link to my research in the show notes. 
um, Joanne's Grace of Knots and Granny also found the same um, results that crochet doesn't necessarily use more yarn than knitting. So we need to stop saying that. We need to stop presenting a negative about crochet and perpetuating that urban myth. Um, equally, I want to be able to show these vendors my stash palace because it is not full of cruddy yarn from the other end of the market because I'm an environmentalist and I tend not to buy plastic yarn. I buy good quality yarn that is hopefully predominantly British, um, although some of it comes from further afield. And I'm really quite conscientious about the yarn that I buy. And I spend a lot of money on yarn. So if you're not supporting my craft, then you're really missing a trick because yarn is the thing I spend money on. Like I said before, I don't do manicures. I recently cut my own hair because that was two skeins of yarn. And, you know, I would rather spend money on yarn. But if you're not going to represent my craft, you're not getting my money. Now, there is one exception to that. When I was at Edinburgh, I went to the Jamesons of Shetland stand, um, you know, in the interests of transparency. They had a colourway that I was looking at, and when I asked them if they had any crochet samples um, on their stand, they said they don't because they, their heritage is very much wrapped up in knitting and colour work. Not fair, but um, colour work knitting, and they have an in-house team that do their patterns. So I had a really decent discussion with them and said, "Well, actually, colour work crochet is coming through, and you need to be ready for it." I think um, it wouldn't do you any harm to have crochet samples on your stand. And so what I thought I would actually do is work up one of their patterns as a crochet pattern, so I can then show it to them. As I said, more carrot than stick. I would rather show them the beauty of crochet then and um, beat them about the head with it so changes are coming there are big discussions going on in instagram and part of those big discussions is about crochet being properly represented and everything not being knit centric and what i'm not doing is bashing knitters that's not me but most of it is knitting centred and I think that's unfair because the other crafts then miss out. Spinning, weaving, um, all of the other fibre crafts, crochet in particular though, gets missed out and I want to do everything I can to change that. I am often heard saying to Matthew, if I have not helped to change the face of crochet by the time I die, I didn't work hard enough. Like I, It's like my mission in life is to have crochet taken seriously as a craft and I will do everything in my power to make that happen. I am passionate about it but passionate in a very positive way. So watch this space. There will be a load of resources um, available and coming and one of the things I would like to work on is something that I can run through my Knit It Hook It website called The Crochet Collective, where I can pull together a bunch of designers who are doing amazing work. Crochet designers are on fire and have great patterns that have been properly tech edited and are out there for sale. I want to be able to pinpoint yarn shops and indie dyers and yarn vendors and say, you don't think there's anything out there? Go and have a look at this list. Boom. <laughs> Tell me again there's nothing out there. I'm on this, people. <laughs> we will change the face of this. Shall I get off my soapbox now? Shall we move on to some finished objects?
let's. <laughs> right. A couple of months back, I was telling you about a design that I had been working on and that it was top secret and I couldn't tell you anything about it. And now I can. Um, I've been designing a shawl which is called Drusilla and it was done for John Arbin um, Textiles because they have been working on a new publication called The Annual. And The Annual, as you could guess, is going to come out once a year. Um, this was launched at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, hence why I couldn't see anything about it until now. But it is jam-packed full of really fun things. So there are three knitting patterns, one crochet pattern, and the crochet pattern, Drusilla, is by me! Um, and I've done it in different weights. So there is a four-ply version, which I did in their Devonia range. And there is a heavy lace weight version, which I did in their 2-3 ply alpaca. And there is also a, um, a double knitted version, which I did in their knit by numbers. So I've popped photos of all of them up in the show notes. You can go and take a peek. But if you wanted to grab that, it's only in the van annual for now. The, um, the pattern rights come back to me in 12 months time. But the annual is actually only £5 plus postage and packaging, but these will be available at shows as well. And they have got all sorts of stuff. So um, there are amazing illustrations by Katie, who is Katie um, Green, who does the green bean, which I'll be able to show you in a wee bit. Um, and that is actually a Find Mr Smokes, which is John and Juliet's cat. So there are 10 Mr Smokes hidden within the illustration that you can find. Um, and in fact, Mr. Smokes is there and he's a really beautiful little tabby and white cat. Um, they've got information about all of the folk at the mill, all of the yarns that they do and all of the different shades are in there. So if you're a fan of John Arbin textiles, this is a really great way of having all of their information in one. There's a sock pattern by Rachel Atkinson, who is daughter of a shepherd. Um, there's lots of information about John's favourite vintage pattern um, machinery. There's all sorts in here and um, even daft things like a word search. That's John, that's John's humour. So um, back to Drusilla. It takes two 100 gram skeins of, like I said, either... Um, heavy lace weight you could do it in lace weight if you wanted it really will work up and down all of the different weights of yarn and then i just added a 20 gram um border to it and it uses the v-stitch the dk is just really lovely and squishy i wore this all the way around edinburgh on the saturday i think it was and it's a lovely repetitive stitch. Now what I've done within the pattern is you can either do it as a small triangular um, shawl, if you do it as a one skeiner, you can go bigger like I have done with this DK version and I've done with the four ply in the, um, in the annual, which you can just keep on going and following the pattern repeat or you could use three skeins and go out as a triangle and then bring it in as a corner to corner. So you've got all of those options within the pattern. What I was really trying to do was two things with this shawl. 
One was create a pattern that you could use for any weight of yarn and it would just intuitively you'd be able to grow it and you've been given different hook size um, potential within the pattern. And the other was to create something that had a bit of a vintage feel to it. Um, the mill and John and Juliet and the people that work at the mill are all really into that kind of vintage vibe. The machinery that John uses, he's hard pushed to buy a new machine. He'd much rather have an old machine. Um, and so it's a very vintage feeling place. Even the shop is, everything about John Arbin Textiles has that vintage feel about it. And so I wanted to create a shawl because this was their first annual. They just fitted in really nicely with their, um, their ethos and their marketing. And I think that I achieved that. But it's really in the knit by numbers, which is on it's a non superwash merino. It's so fluffy and snuggly. I just I love it. So, yeah, I'm I'm really pr I'm really proud <laughs> to have something in their first um annual. And also really chuffed that they had the foresight to put a crochet pattern in there. So, yeah, it makes me happy. Um, what else do we have? I have also finished off a couple of pairs of socks. One pair which is in the Yawol, Yawol? Yawol, Lang Yawol um, yarn. This is a pair for my dad, which hopefully will become his work socks or... Um, hiking socks and the colourway is called Peacock so it's a beautiful kind of um quite a dark teal colour. Um oh I should have said actually my uh, knit by numbers version of the shawl is almost like a um a dusky mauve colour. It's mauve isn't it for the main content of the um, shawl and then the edging is in a proper burgundy maroony colour so you've got quite a nice contrast um, going on with the two. And then the second pair of socks that I did are for my friend Jenny and she is Little Miss Pink. She flaming loves pink. She loves pink and I love sludge so it's not very often that our wardrobes cross over. But this was a um, cake of yarn. It's self-striping yarn. It was by Dragon Hill Studio by um, Sharon and Andrew. And it was called Metro Pinstripe. So it's a very dark charcoal-y grey um, as a semi-solid. And then this um, two-row stripe of quite a bright pink. So it's 14 rows of the grey, two rows pink, 14 grey, two rows pink. And really spot on with their dyeing. Um, hold this up close. So this was a 64 stitch sock done on a 2.25 needle. And look at how good that crossover is for where the pink stops. It is pretty much right on it for the two um for the two rows of pink. Really good dyeing. Um, I will happily buy more from Dragon Hill Studio One because they're great people, great fun. Sharon is fabulous fun, um, and also because that striping is spot on. Um, so if I'm looking for self-striping yarn, that's the one for me. They've got an amazing colourway at the moment, which is an Easter one. I wanted to get some when I was at Unravel. They totally sold out of it. It looks like um, Cadbury's mini eggs in sock form. It's incredible. So they are my finished objects, I think, for for this month. Let's have a quick look. 
yeah, that's it. One of the reasons I've only done that is because the saga of Ezra sweater continues. So, works in progress. I've just popped on my Ezra sweater, which if I don't go onto my tiptoes, looks like it might be finished. However, if I actually step back, you can see that I haven't finished the arms. Um, it feels like this has been going on for months. Maybe because it has been going on for months. I really wanted to wear this to Edinburgh and I'd worked out some um, calculations for the arm sleeve, also known as a sleeve. <laughs> and it just was coming off too tight. And as I reported in the last episode, I'm quite muscly and I need to make sure that I've always got enough space and I don't want it to be really tight in my underarm and my oxters because that's just, that's not nice. I'll just overheat and be a hot sweaty mess. So um, I'm finally happy with where I've got down to with the sleeves and I have um, run out of yarn. <laughs> so annoying. Um, but yeah, I've run out of yarn and um, I've got down to the elbow part, which is great. So I know that I have got enough room to bend my elbow, which is one of the things you need to make sure when you're doing a sleeve is if you degrease too much too quickly, you don't get the bend in the elbow and then it seems really overstretched when you do actually need to be active and do anything with that elbow. So now that I'm down to the elbow, I'm happy with that and I need to start really pulling it in because whilst I'm quite muscly up in my um, pecs, bicep, what are they? I don't know. I never go to the gym. Um, what are they? Forearms? Forearms, maybe. The big bits up by my shoulder, they're quite muscly, but I don't have particularly big arms down by my wrists. So I need to change the calculation to the one that's in the pattern. I think I may have previously said that there was no shaping in the sleeves. Utter rubbish. Just hadn't read the pattern properly. There is um, there is a decrease that goes all the way down, but I know for sure that that decrease is not going to work for me all the way down to my wrist. And when I see all of the other um, jumpers, basically, they're all just too baggy in the sleeve and it's not how I like to wear my jumpers. So I definitely need to do some shaping. But I've run out of yarn. Um, so this morning I phoned up Black Sheep Wools, who I know carry this yarn. It's Soxia by um, Coplets in their four-ply and the colourway is called Chryso. So it's this lovely um, muted greeny-blue, bit of grey in it. And they had one skein left. So they are very lovely at Black Sheep um, Wool's very accommodating and they've put that aside for me and I will go in and buy it on Friday and I also asked them they might be able to pawn it up for me because I'll be going up there on Friday morning before we head up to Scotland for a long weekend and my husband Matthew and my dad are climbing the highest mountain in the UK. It's called Ben Nevis and it's in Scotland. So that means that with any luck... I might be departing Sleeve Island on Friday because, frankly, Matthew and I have a deal whereby if it's daytime, he drives because I can, I can crochet. And if it's nighttime, I drive because I can't crochet in the dark. That's the deal. 
I don't think he'll want to drive all the way up and quite frankly I would rather drive the Glencoe Road anyway because it is stunning and it's a really good if you enjoy driving and it's an amazing road to drive on it's twisty and like it's quite a challenge to do and I love that I love driving but I really love driving on twisty roads that's what I grew up on so it's like sport to me I love it um so maybe I can get one sleeve done on the Friday on the road up and another one on Saturday when they're climbing the mountain because I'm going to be sitting chilling I'm packing a um one of our outdoor camping chairs the really comfortable one <clears throat> that's going to be in the boot of the car I'm going to go to Loch Ness which is about an hour from where we're staying I'm going to do a little bit of photography for a little secret project that I'm working on and then I'm going to sit and chill with uh, like a nice little picnic lunch and I'm going to sit by the um, the edge of Loch Ness weather permitting and sit and crochet and just be in nature enjoying nature and just chilling out and doing my thing and crafting possibly with an edge sweater on possibly on an edge sweater we'll see um but i will be on um instagram stories a lot this weekend showing off scotland and the beauty that it is and we're going to do a little trip over on the Corden ferry and go up to Malagan, one of the most beautiful beaches and go past the um the glenfinnan bridge which is the um train bridge that they used in harry potter the viaduct so if you know Harry Potter, then that's where I'm going to be this weekend, up and in and around that area. So if you're not on Instagram, good reason to get on Instagram and follow my stories under um, crochet underscore circle underscore podcast. Because I will be, I'll be showing you off Scotland and my little crafting chill weekend. So thanks to Black Sheep Wools for um, keeping that pass for me. That will allow me to do my Isra sweater and frankly even if because it's definitely going to be a different dye batch I bought this is kind of deep stash the coat knits I think this is about three years old now and black sheep wool's only I would say only in the last 12 months started carrying socks yet so there's no way it's going to be in the same dye batch but because my sleeves are now even this one ball of yarn will do the, the remainder of the sleeves so even if there's a slight change, it's still going to look even across the two sleeves. So I can live with that. I'm at a point where I frankly just want this jumper off my hook and I want to be wearing it. And I will be wearing this next podcast. Without a shadow of a doubt. So that's it for finish uh, for en route. Because um, Estra Sweater has been a bit of a mammoth task and um, I've kind of been here, there and everywhere so I've not necessarily had as much crafting time as I would normally get. However, I do have a design in progress um, which is the same as the one that you saw last time round. Do you remember the quite colourful one that was Barcelona inspired? Well that is going to be called Rocamora which is the name of the building that I, I took as my inspiration point for it. And it was the Rocamora family that actually had that building created in the first place and through the architecture. And so what I have done, because quite a few people have asked me about that pattern, I've actually submitted it for a new online yarn magazine. Um, it's called Yarn People. 
I will pop a link for it into the show notes. They've currently got issue two out at the moment. They've already gone through the submissions for issue three and throughout the month of April the submissions are live for issue four and the submission brief is um, texture and travel which is just perfect. I couldn't have a better submission brief for that cowl. And Yarn People are a very, very inclusive yarn magazine. Like They want stuff that is um, gender neutral. They don't um, just want to hear from white designers. They want people from all walks of life submitting for their um, magazine call. So I've popped that in and when I hear whether I've been successful or not, I will do something about that pattern. But in the meantime, as I said in the last podcast, I've started the next version of it, which is a shorter cowl. And again, I'm doing this one as a fairly gender neutral set of colours and structure. But what I'm loving about this cowl is it's very um, changeable. So as soon as I've worked through this dark grey, charcoal grey colour, I then move on to a mid grey colour and then I'm finishing it off with... Fox orange, that is like, that is so the colour of a fox. Um, and they are the three colours that this cow will be. And if I'm about, I'm about halfway through the first cake of yarn and it's quite sizable already. So this is going to be a really tall, long, squishy cowl. And I think I'm going to find some way of gathering it all together. So you've got all of the squish at the back. And it gathers up at the front so you can actually breathe. Because otherwise <laughs> it's basically going to be a chimney. And <laughs> you're not going to be able to see out. <laughs> um, but it is, it to the eye it looks quite dense. But I love the stitch. It is so springy. There's so much give in it both ways. Which is really quite unusual in crochet. So it makes it really lovely and squishy to wear. And warm as well. Um, and then I might do a third one which goes through a set of um, colour fades because this pattern equally lends itself to um, a much smaller hook and using a four ply yarn. It's really versatile and you can make it as kind of pretty as you want or as um, kind of really neutral colours as you want. It's it, it You can totally make it your own. So... This will be finished. This is one of the projects I'm going to take up to Scotland with me um, because it's very easy car crochet and it's also very easy pub crochet too. So yeah, I would have thought this will be done by next podcast. I said that about the Esther Sweater though and look what happened there. Not, I was going to say not my fault but clearly it is. I didn't have enough yarn because I was adamant that they'd asked for too much yarn in the pattern. I still think they have but um, I was really pushing it with the event that I was um, given over to it. Okay, so moving on to Feeding the Habit. It was Edinburgh Yarn Festival month and I went over to You Imply for the first birthday party of the shop. And when I headed over there, Nikki had dyed up a um, colourway that was... Uh, which. Not a surprise colour, it wasn't a surprise. What do you call it? It was bespoke for that day. 
and the skin that I picked up is 50% baby camel, 50% silk and it is so ridiculously soft. The colourway is called Confetti in the Rain and it's just got a lovely lustre on it because of both the camel and the silk and camel tends to be a um, kind of a light grey colour to begin with so when you then pop dyes on top of that you get this lovely muted set of colours and this has got all of those colours of confetti in there so green, purple, pinks, um, slight tinge of coral, mustard yellow, a little bit going into a bluey teal, it's got everything. Now I don't know how close the colour repeats are yet and whether this will work particularly well for crochet but I, I had to buy it. I wanted to support Nikki and you know she's worked so hard to get that shop up and running and it's got the most incredible set of indie dyers in there um, selling their yarn through Nikki so um, yeah love it. I don't know what it's going to become. It could be socks because it's got the silk content. They would be very luxurious socks or it might get paired up with another skin of yarn that I've got sat in the stash palace which um, I think it might go with so keep an eye out for that but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've never really worked with camel before and I've never worked with a camel silk mix so I get the impression it's going to have lots of drapes so maybe it deserves to be a one skein shawl or something. We shall see. But that's one of the things that I brought back from Nikki. The other is a dyer that she has in there and I've never seen this dyer stuff anywhere else other than in Nikki's shop. Um, I spoke about them, I think, last podcast or the podcast before. It's Abercairn Yarns and the dyer is called um, Desiree. And um, she just does really interesting colours. She lives in Scotland and she is, I think, very much inspired by the Scottish landscape. So I got two minis from Abercairn via You Felty Thing. One is a sort of... It's not, I wouldn't say it's an avocado green, but do you remember the avocado, I'm going to say they were disgusting, but I really love this colour. Do you remember the avocado bathroom sets that you used to get that were that greeny? It's kind of like that, or you know when you get green soap, but it's on the duck eggy end of a green soap, it's that kind of a green. So it's a mini skein and it is 75% merino, 25% nylon. And it's a high twist, so it's perfect for sock um, contrasts, so heels, toes and cuffs for crochet and for knitted because it's got that lovely high twist on it. And then the second one is a real rusty um, brown colour, almost like rusty iron colour but quite dark, um, which again is the same, so very high twist. This one has already been earmarked to be the contrast for a set of... Um, socks that I'll be working on shortly and this one again I've already got the skin of yarn that I want to use for that so I was just trying to pair up contrasts so that I can crack on with more socks Um, so yeah I'm really chuffed with them and I did have another one that I've already started using and I'll show you them in the next podcast as well because those socks will be finished um, but it's delightful to work with I've only knitted with it so far 
but I really like the high twist nature of it and it feels quite plump and luxurious. So if you're on the lookout for a new yarn dyer and you like my kind of colours, those earthy tones, she does quite a lot in the pink and purple end of the earthy tones. Abercairn, I've popped links into the show notes so that you can see um, Desiree's work uh, and go and find her. Really, really beautiful colours. Very heathery, gorgeous. Uh, and then what happened? And then my friend Nick, who comes to all gathering, was off visiting her family in Australia. And she knew that I was going to Edinburgh Yarn Festival and she was visiting yarn shops while she was over in Australia. So when she was in Brunswick, she went to a shop called Maker Maker. And um, we have uh, we had a pact that she would bring me back some Australian yarn and I would bring her back something from Edinburgh. And we both had given each other a brief for what we wanted to come back. I failed in an epic type fashion to bring Nick anything back because I couldn't find what it was that, um, that, that she was after at Edinburgh. She wanted DK. It had to be like quite a dark stormy grey with colours in it. And so instead I'm going to try and pick her up something at the next show that I'm going to, which is Spring Into Wool in Leeds. Not this weekend, the weekend after. Um, but Nick, because she's lovely, um, actually managed to bring me back some stuff. So um, the first one is by a company called White Gum Wool and it's their four-ply um, ethical superfine merino and it comes from Tasmania's Midlands. The colour is called Quarry Stone and it is a very dark grey with almost purpley hues to it. You know when a grey's got a warmth to it rather than the cold. And I've popped links into the show notes because the um this brand, what they do, is really lovely. They've got lots of blogs up about their farm, about how they manage the farm, about how they manage biodiversity and their ecosystem and the welfare of the animals it's just some really nice reading if you want to see um kind of shepherding done well it they're really good at tracking that story and telling you why they make different decisions so that was um white gum wool um it's so soft it is so so soft and lovely and squishy and i've got enough there to do um easily a cowl but I think it would make a beautiful shawl I really do and then the second one that she brought me back is by Great Ocean Road Woolen Mill which is another Australia Australian um, band band brand <laughs> would be a good band name though wouldn't it Great Ocean Road Woolen Mill <laughs> shut up <laughs> um, and again this is super super soft and squishy and it is a mix of merino and alpaca again in a four ply fingering weight 400 meters which is 437 yards per 100 grams the yarn base is called labella and this one is called salt and pepper because it's got um real tweedy salt and pepper tinges to it it's it's actually like matthew's hair matthew's got salt and pepper hair and Maybe he'd let me give him a hat out of this, actually, because it might disguise his salt and pepper hair. <laughs> he won't go for that, but it's a thought. And besides, 
I think I want something out of this. It's so beautiful and soft. And you can really see the ply in it and the different colours coming through from the two um, different animals. It's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, that was a really... I, I love seeing different yarns from abroad. It just... Um, I, I already had some Australian merino which came via... Um, Mara, who's Ruby Tombstone, sent me some over, some merino, it's gorgeous. Very similar colour to the um, sandstone, actually, and similar feel as well. Like the merino over there is a bit more like the um, the John Arbor Knit by Numbers. That's a, a good equivalent to us, but um, this has got a higher twist on it. But that non-superwash squidginess that you get with it is, that's... I would say the closest we've got is a UK equivalent. Um, but you're like you're so lucky to have all of this amazing yarn at your disposal in um, Australia and Tasmania and New Zealand as well. I was having a look at the stats and we've got quite a few listeners um, from that part of the world. So hello to you. I was um, looking at you all on a map and was like, that's lovely that the podcast has got such a nice global reach and really great that you know your yarn ends up here as well and gets used and it's yeah it's nice and I like the fact that Nick chose it and brought it back so I'm not just ordering it from um from Australia she's brought it back and chosen it for me and brought it back from her travels oh so squidgy um and then and then there was Edinburgh and then Edinburgh happened didn't actually buy that much stuff from Edinburgh because, um, in part, as I said, my main point was to not buy from vendors that um, didn't have crochet samples if they were yarn. And I said already that there was one exception to that, which was Jimison's. This was the colour that I went for. It's called Storm and it is absolutely beautiful. So it's a tealy blue and it has got... Um, heathered bits of a fawny brown in it and I've wanted this for a long long time and I want to do crochet with it I don't want to knit with it um, and like I say the only reason I was happy to buy this is because um, hopefully I can change their mind <laughs> the other one that I got from them was tan green which I wouldn't necessarily say it was green I'd say it's more rusty brown with a hint of heathered green in it I would say it's more brown than green and then to go with that I also got their camel colour and this will be used to show off um, like what is traditional colour work as crochet. Might take me a while to get to it but I will do because I really want to make that point that um, crochet colour work is coming through and it can be every bit as beautiful. Different but every bit as beautiful. Um, what else did I get? My lovely friend Katie Green was doing a pop-up at Edinburgh. Um, some of you might know Katie's work. She's done a lot of illustrations for uh, Pom Pom. She also did um, some of the illustrations for... Um, at Edinburgh they had a free newspaper called Wool Press and she did lots of stuff for them. But Katie also has her own zine that she brings out, which is called The Green Bean. And I really wanted a copy of this and I wanted to support Katie. And this one is all about rock pools. So she picks a theme 
and this is all about rock pools and it is beautifully illustrated she gives you details on limpets and life cycles and she also has some crafting projects in there so um one of the projects is to make a project bag another one is for a cushion and another is for a pair of knitted socks and she illustrates all of the projects really beautifully um katie and i have been working together she's been working on the 72 british breed sheep and um she's been um sending the files through to me and i've been using my laser cutter and engraved and cut out the sheep breeds which she's then made into brooches so we've been working a lot together on that over the last few months and it was lovely to see everything come to fruition and see her stand at Edinburgh and like the the final point of making of everything come together all of her packaging and it's just it's beautiful um and I will link to the green bean um because she has an Etsy shop so I will link you back to that. So if you want to get your hands on one, I think she still has some copies of this. But all of the past copies and this one are also available digitally. She's very, very talented. And I'm pleased to say that there's um, there's quite a lot more work that you'll see as a collaboration between Katie and I. Hopefully by the end of this year, I have asked her to do a load of illustrations for me for a big project that I'm working on. And I'm really, really excited because it's a departure from the norm for me. It's looking at a wider scale set of patterns. They are knitted, but a wider scale set of patterns and pulling it together as a cohesive project with a sense of purpose. And Katie's going to help me deliver that. And I'm really, really excited about it. In, in the main, because of Katie's gorgeous illustrations, I know that she can recreate on paper what it is that's up in my noggin. Very excited. Um, what else did I get? Done them. Obviously, I had to hit up the John Arban stand because John Arban. And um, they had a special which is called Cocktails, which is a sport weight yarn that they had spun up for Edinburgh. And the colourway that I went for is called Dark and Stormy. It was a dark and stormy night. Um, and it is 60% dyed Corridale, 30% natural grey alpaca and 10% A1 mulberry silk. And it's 320 metres per 100 grams. And it is so, so soft. And Dark and Stormy is a quite a dark, fawny brown colour but with real warmth to it it's yeah it's beautiful and you can see I can see the grey alpaca fibres coming off it now so it's got a really nice um kind of fly off with some of the fibres I got two skeins of this because I'm going to do myself a really snuggly cowl I always just end up like crocheting loads and loads of stuff either for the stand or to send out to um yarn brands that I'm working with it, it's not that often that I get to keep the stuff myself. So I think this is actually going to become another version of a Rockamora cowl. Not exactly the same, but I've got another design idea in my head. Um, and I think that's what this is going to be. Really lovely, soft and snuggly up against my skin. So that was bought with a sense of purpose. And then I also got 
on the Sunday there was a thing called the Make Wool event, which was ticketed, and I think it was about a thousand people. It was between eleven and two o'clock. Um, and the idea was that it was all about the very woolly end of the yarn industry. So, the makers there had to be dealing with wool. John and Juliet brought out some very, um, sorry, I've got fibre up my nose. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, let's go again with that. John and Juliet brought out some breed-specific uh, wools for that event for the Sunday. And one of the breeds that they had was Romney. And I am a bit of a sucker for Romney. It's got a lovely ply on it because they forested spun it. And um, so it's got a kind of duck eggy blue and an undyed fawn colour. And I really like the two together. One of the samples that they had on their display is a jumper called the Canisp Sweater. It's by Emily K. Williams, who is Flutter by Knits. And so I bought, um, it just needs four skeins. So I bought four, two of each colour, ready to make that pattern up. I've got quite a big knitting project on the go that I need to have finished for next weekend, apparently. Um, and after that, I'm allowed to cast this on. And whilst I'm desperate to cast on this jumper, um, I'm not allowing myself to until I have actually... Uh, finish that other one because it's a sample for the shows and I've got loads of shows coming out this year Um. so whilst I'm just on that about the Make Wool event <clears throat> it was quite a short time scale to be there, you know 11 till 2 is only 3 hours is that right? sorry it was 10 till 2 so it was 4 hours Um. but within that time frame I went to 2 of the talks and one of them was about um, diversity in the fibre space and how we move that forward. And the other one was John talking about his spinning mill and the work that he and all the troop at the mill do. Um, so what I would like to do, there's the diversity talk was actually video recorded. And I can't really say that much about it because I think I might be... Um, not speaking out of turn, but I would rather pinpoint you to it when the actual video is live. I checked yesterday and it hadn't gone live yet. Um, so I was there. It was an interesting talk. Generally, the questions were really good. I was utterly frustrated by the last question that was asked. Um, but go and watch the video when it's live. They're going to edit it down and put that out. But they did ask that we didn't take photos. We didn't record it. Um, because that was for them to do. And so I have respected their wishes at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, not posted about this at all, but as soon as that video goes live, I will signpost you to it because it was really quite an interesting panel discussion um, about diversity. So that's coming, but only when I can actually pinpoint you to a great source for it. Um, and what else? On the Sunday... Final thing I bought, because actually I was really... The Sunday was where I really wanted to spend my money because it was the woolly end of the market. Shilla's Dare yarns were there. Now, Kirsty and Simon took over Shilla's Dare maybe two, two and a half years ago. And I have been watching them and watching them, watching them from the sidelines to see when they were going to be up and running. Shilla's Dare used to be run by a lady called Ava, who, um like, is 
one of the doyens of natural dyeing within the UK. Um, Ava sold the business on a couple of years back. Kirsty and Simon bought it. And then they have been learning their trade, learning their trade, learning their trade. And Edinburgh was the first time that they were out with their yarns actually vending it. And I was not disappointed. So the... um. The stock that I bought from them, I'm very pleased to say they are now working on British bases. So the one that I got was 70% Blueface Leicester and 30% Shetland. And it's a 100% British fibre, British spun, British dyed. Now, whilst I loved the colours that Ava was creating, she used all sorts of other fibre bases. And I'm much happier with this. So what I'm holding up are two 50 grand skeins of quite a bright, not quite chartreuse green, but almost like a kind of lycany green. And these are um, indigo dyed. So um, that's what's got that. It's quite a vivid green. It's almost like, um, you know, the really vivid green seaweed that you get on some rock pools and beaches. It's like that. That's the green that it is spot on. So it's got like a bright, murky muddiness to it. And then I also picked up, they had little batches of um, minis that were all tied up in corresponding colours. Um, and that's exactly the same um, base. And this is dyed with, now I don't think it says, which is a shame. It does say that it's all naturally dyed, but I was a sucker because I think they go really nicely with the green. And the minis are in... Um, a kind of light dirty fawny brown a light peachy pink almost like the dye colour that you get with avocado skins and an almost yellowy brown and they all went really nicely with this green so there's going to be some kind of a um, not quite a fade but some kind of a contrast project that I use these with and what I particularly loved They've got a real eye for detail, Kirsty and Simon. Um, they're very much inspired by the natural landscape. And, you know, you'd be hard pushed not to be when you live on sky. It is stonking. Um, but I love the way that they had wrapped up the three skeins and clearly been beachcombing and picked out limpets with the little holes on the top and tied the limpets around with a bit of twine for the, the packaging for their three skeins. So you take a little bit of sky back with them. It looked beautiful on their stand. Everything was really cohesive. And I just, like, it filled me with joy to see a company that could have so easily had the decades of knowledge that Ava had built up just gone overnight because she could have just shut the company down. So for Kirsty and Simon to have taken their time and been trained by Ava and Tony and... um like really taken on the lessons and that knowledge base that they had and moved it into their own company and changed things like moving to British yarn bases is just fantastic. Now, I know that my friend Tanya from TJ Frog was on Sky yesterday and she was interviewing Kirsty and Simon. So take a look at her podcast because I'm fairly sure that soon there will be an interview from um, Kirsty and Simon with Tanya from the Isle of Skye. So if you want to know more about Shillestay and what they're up to, 
Tanya's podcast is the first one to go to. Now I'm gutted because I'm going to be about an hour and a half, two hours away, um, away from Kirsty and Simon this weekend and I just can't make that leap to get up into Sky to go and see what they're up to. Their shop, Shilla's Dare Yarns, will open in the Easter weekend in April. So nothing but exciting things coming their way and I cannot tell you how nice this yarn base is and how soft it is and the colours are just beautiful. So if you're looking for natural dye and that has been done on British bases, go and check out what Shella Stair has done. Like this fills me with warmth that this company has moved on in this manner. Very happy for them. And that is that it? No. One one final little thing. Um one thing I can't show you because it went straight into my belly. <laughs> um, on the Thursday I was vending, Thursday afternoon I was vending with Tanya. Her husband Geraint had to um, be elsewhere and so I was helping her out on the Thursday afternoon and lovely Ali who is a podcast listener extraordinaire and generally if I see her she comes and brings me tablet. She brought me tablet right at a point where I was taking a major calorie dip. I hadn't had lunch and it was busy at Edinburgh on the Thursday afternoon. I mean, it was busy every day. But um, Ali came and saw me and she was like, do you want to know what's in my pocket? <laughs> I was like, is it tablet? <laughs> and it was. Tablet is like a fudge, but it's more um kind of crystalline based. And it's so, so superior to fudge. It's amazing. But it is basically sugar. It's like full on calories. But if you need to be pulled out of a, um, a calorie dip and have a bit of a calorie curve, then tablet is a great, um, it's a great thing to do. So, I was just nibbling away on tablet that Ali had brought me, and then I was sharing it out. Um, I saw over the way was Johnny from Garthnor, and he looked a bit like he was in need of a little sugar buzz. So I kind of sidled up to him and was like tablet so he and his mum Sally were busy chomping on tablet as well so thank you for that Ali you you um saved me with your tablet from having a migraine so uh, my own stupid fault for not uh, not eating before I started vending but I've, I don't think I'll ever learn and then on the Saturday I saw Lorna who is zebra kitten and Lorna is all about the zebras and she gave me a lovely bunch of stitch markers and she knows I particularly love the lever arch batch stitch markers so she's given me a, a zebra one because that is the representation of the illness that she has. People um, with her band of illnesses get called zebras and that's very specific to her and I quite often send her if I see a zebra thing she get you know I'll ping her a message. Um, a uh, tassel stitch marker as well which is great as a progress creeper um, and I love this she sent me she lives um, near Cumbernauld which is where Aria the sculpture is um, that my um, my one of my latest designs was based on so she's she sent me a little Aria um, stitch marker and also a shell with a pearl on it to go with Aria as well and a love heart and it was just it was lovely I managed to um I managed to see Lorna a couple of times during the course of the Saturday it was really nice to spend some time with her and other people like um Sarah from Yarn and Blarney and um on the Friday I took off 
had the day off, as in I didn't go into the festival. And Becky from Rivernets and I went and just had a little stomp around Edinburgh, went and had a nice breakfast, walked up the hill to the castle, and we stood just chatting away and then rolled back down the hill and had lunch and it was it's just a very enjoyable um actual proper day off it was very nice so yeah i had a great experience at edinburgh um your festival just i really enjoyed it and um yeah looking forward to all the other festivals i'm doing this year i have 10 more so like i have 10 that i'm vending at so if you want to know where I'm going to be, I've got a blog post that I'll be pulling together by the end of this week with a map so you can like see where I am. But basically, I'm going to be in every country on the British Isles. So UK and what is historically known as the British Isles, UK and Ireland. So Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, loads in England and one in Scotland because I'll be at Perth Festival of Yarn. <laughs> that's just been announced um yeah so if you're coming to any of the shows over in the uk um there's quite a large chance i'll be vending at it come and say hello i'd love to see you quick news beats i might read these um off because there are some quite specific bits i want to tell you about um i said that i would keep a lookout for hashtags on inclusivity and i've got a couple for you to um be aware of there's um, Disabled Makers, which is run by Eve and Anna. They're doing a great job of showing off different mates. So it might be crochet, sewing, knitting, all sorts of different crafts. And it's about promoting um, makers that are differently abled. So great hashtag to go and follow. And I'm hoping that with that, we might have the expansion of more hashtags and accounts that we can follow for people that are differently abled, basically and be more inclusive for that um and there are some amazing makes on that hashtag so go and have a look but also i know that eve and anna are putting a lot of work into running that so if you can go and show them some support um there's also a new account which is called fattest knits which um it's all about size inclusivity but it's got a very specific purpose so as a designer, I could get in touch with at Fattest Knits. It's not just for knitting, it's also for crochet. Um, and I could put a call out for testers. If I was doing a garment, I might need um, people that are size 6 or people that are size 22. And you can put a call out to try and get your pattern tested across the different sizes. So that we are not seeing is just always the same sized model showing um you know garments off that are crocheted or knitted so um that's also a really helpful tool if you are outside of the kind of average size that is used for marketing great way of finding designers that are thinking about size inclusivity and seeing um different sized models that might be more like your size and therefore finding um different patterns that might work for your body shape so that was at fattest knits but like i say it's not just knit it is also crochet it's just a pity that they've got knit in the title um already spoken about that the next couple of places that you can see me 
um, in May is I'm doing a pop-up at Kate at Northern Yarns Shop, which will be three years old on the 3rd of May. And so she's doing a pop-up between 6.30 and 10 o'clock at night on the Saturday. And I will be there promoting crochet. See, more carrot than stick. Um, promoting crochet, selling patterns and um, being able to talk to people about uh, crochet and selling different notions and bits and pieces. So that's in Lancaster. It's really quick and easy to get to Lancaster off the M6. So um, be lovely to see you there. It is a ticketed event and I have put all of the details in the show notes with a link straight into the events website. Another event that I'll be at the very next day on May the 4th, be with you, um, Becky and Marcus from Rivernets are opening up their new land-based dye studio. They've been in there, I think, for just over a month now. And beyond it being their dye studio, they also have a shop retail space that they're they're developing. So they're having an open day on the 4th. And that is from, I think it's 11am to 5pm on that Saturday. And so it's not just Rivernets that are going to be there selling their yarn. I'll be there um, with a pop-up with different bits and pieces. Um, Terry and Becca from You Imply will be there. So they're coming over from Shrewsbury. Travel Knitter Larissa will be there. She'll be, I think she's London-based. Johnny from Garthnor Organics will be there. So he's coming over from Wales. And Lola from Third Fault Yarns will also be there. And I'm fairly sure Lola is London-based as well. Now, the Rivernets is at... Um, it's just outside of Northampton um, and again I've put a link in there but if you want like not everybody wants to go to a big festival and I would say if you are in the Northamptonshire area or you can get to that space then that's a really great way of getting a taste of what a festival is like but on a much smaller basis where you can talk to the vendors and actually get some one-on-one time with them. I'm going to do a demonstration on wet blocking um, Becky is doing a demonstration on or a talk on choosing colours, which is quite exciting. Johnny is bringing his um, antique sock knitting machine, so you can have a little crank on an old sock knitting machine from Garthnor. It's just going to be a really lovely, chilled out, but informative day. So if you fancy popping along, that's Saturday the 4th of May and I will see you there. Very excited about that too. Um, um, and then oh yeah this one this is my last um, newsbeat quick newsbeat I've set up a coffee account <laughs> so for some of you you won't have a clue what it is that I'm talking about but I've never been that comfortable with the idea of a Patreon account and I have been asked the question previously about how people can support the podcast and what I've always said is if you need stuff buy from my shop um, that's a great way of supporting me and my business but I have got about 50% of my listeners and watchers actually come from America um, and so you're far less likely to buy from my shop. And like I said, I'm not a massive fan of Patreon because the emphasis with Patreon seems to be on doing more for Patreon users. And frankly, the podcast takes me three to four days every single month just to... It's an average of three. 
um, just to do the standard content, editing, photos. That doesn't include any extra work that I do, any interviews, any um, kind of yarn reviews and bits and pieces. And um, so I can't commit more time to what is expected from a Patreon account. So what I thought I would just do is open up a coffee account where the idea is that you can just buy me a coffee. That's that's how it works. You just you are essentially donating to the podcast. You don't have to at all. But if you like what I do and you want to support it, then I've provided links in the show notes. And it might be that it pays for the running costs of um, Podbean on audio. So that bill has just come through. That was $108 for the year. That's how much I pay out to have the audio podcast running and to be able to put up the the show notes up there. Um, to do the global hookups, that costs me £15 a month to pay for the software that we use. So, like, it's... Running the podcast is not a free thing. Um, it costs me quite a bit of money to do it, and I'm not saying for a second that I expect you to pay for it. However, if you want to support it, then either purchasing from my shop or... Um, supporting me through Kofi is the the best way to do it. If that's not possible for you, there are free ways that you can also support the website. Hit that like button on YouTube, add a comment on YouTube, talk about the podcast on Instagram, um, leave a comment on Podbean. That's free stuff that you can do that promotes the podcast. It makes it seen by other people. Um, it creates that conversation around it and that all helps. And I can tell you from myself, and I'm sure I speak for all of my other podcasty friends, it makes such a difference when you get a comment back, when you get a like. It just is like a little ding in your heart. It's it's that feedback um, from you, the consumer of what we put out, that you like what it is that we've done. And that I don't think that free giving should be underestimated so there are lots of things that you can do to support the podcast and it doesn't necessarily have to cost you money it might just be the click of a button but if you can please do it really makes a difference um yeah i think that's it for quick news beats which leaves us on to jador and jador my little pod baby like i said at the top of the um of the show crochet cycle podcast is three years old when i started it back at the beginning with lynn i i don't know what we expected to be honest it went out as audio only so if you're going back on the video it was on audio only i think for the first maybe six episodes maybe a couple more and then lynn left about uh six months in and then I continued, there was no way I wanted to stop. And I'm just, I'm so chuffed that we've got to three years and we've got this amazing community um, around us in the Crochet Clan. And you're all very dear to my heart and you're one of the reasons I design and that I get so excited about yarn. And you are my yarn enablers, which, you know, <laughs> yay! <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just love what we do. And I love the sense of community. And when I say I love what we do, I genuinely mean it. I might be the one that's up here talking. 
you're the listeners, you're the supporters, you're the ones that engage with me, um, the whole process on Instagram and on Ravelry and and um, kind of fly the flag for the Crochet Circle and the Crochet Clan. So I really love it. Thank you very much. Um, lovely Sandra from Cherry Heart Podcast has um, given one of her patterns for her... Um, yeah, a pattern for her latest scarf, which is the Ziggy Interrupted Scarf, as a prize. And I'm going to put some pattern prizes out as well. So if you'd like to be in with a chance of winning to help celebrate the third birthday of the podcast, all you need to do is leave a comment either in YouTube or on Podbean specifically to this episode. And before I record on the next episode, which I think goes out on the 3rd of... May. So let's say you've got until the end of April because I know quite a few of you listen and watch the podcast later on in the month and I want it to be open to you as well because we're celebrating three years. Um, Just leave a comment and what I would like to know is we're already a quarter of the way through 2019. What is your craft goal? What's like the one technique that you want to get under your belt or the craft that you want to try next in 2019? What are you signing up to? What is it that's exciting you that you want to get your crafty little mittens on um tell me what that is because then i get to see all sorts of different techniques and ideas coming through from you it might be a pattern that you want to make or you know you might want to learn color or crochet whatever it is for me i think mine is macrame i really want to get better at macrame um so yeah leave that as a comment and then i will pick a load of winners one for Sandra's um, scarf pattern and I will just fire off some patterns right, left and centre as a thank you for being part of our wonderful community. Right, so that's until the end of April. Done. I think we're done. We're done. As ever, thank you so much for joining me. Um, show notes are where all of the details at. Next podcast goes out on the 3rd of May. If you want to see my little adventures up in Scotland, that's going to be all be on Instagram. I use Instagram above all else because it's just so easy for me. And my camera now is amazing on my phone. So I can get really nice quality photos there. And it's it's instant. It's quick for me to do that and, and communicate with you guys. So until May, hopefully I'll see some of you at Northern Yarn or at um, Rivernet's Open Day. But until then... I'm off to go and crochet all the things with all of my booty haul from this month. (laughs) See you soon, my loves. Bye-bye. done this for ages. And we are podcast record ready. Look at that bag of goodies. And snackage. Oh, hello. I'm waving. And we are podcast record ready.